Hey everyone, you're about to listen to the first episode of the Fantasy Team Previews for 2023. On this one, I got Daniel Harms coming back on the show to talk about the Chiefs and Chargers. I do mention at one point in the podcast that episodes will be released with all four teams in the division at once, but I've chosen to forego that format to get you the teams as fast as possible, so each team will be released individually or together with another team if I had the same analyst on for two teams like I did for this episode. So I hope you enjoy. I'm going to be shifting back to two or more podcasts per week for the foreseeable future and through the NFL regular and postseason. So appreciate you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are here today joined again by Daniel Harms, who's on to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers as we continue our season preview edition. How's it going, man? It's going great. You know, funny enough, just earlier this week, I talked with Stephen Haglin that covers the Chargers on the RGR show. So I now have a really good idea of both of these teams. So it worked out perfectly for this and for your podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you doing that. And hopefully we can uh, steal some of uh, his intel as well. Um, obviously, you have a background with the Chiefs. So uh, you're going to be able to give us a lot of good information on them as well. Do you want to just tell the listeners or remind the listeners uh, where they can find your work? Of course, man. Thank you very much. Uh, so you guys can find all of my Chiefs content at rgrfootball.com. It's a YouTube page. I do uh, weekly live streams, also film rooms. And right now I have a series going on the Dinner with the Enemy. So every team will be bro- broken down from the AFC West over there with someone who covers them as well. And all of my fantasy content is now over at footballguys.com. I believe last time we did this, it was the astronauts, but now I've changed over to football guys. And uh, yeah, so I, I'll be doing video content for them. I've got a couple articles already done there on Chris Olave and Daniel Jones, a couple other guys too. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Nice. Nice. Love to hear it. Definitely go and check out uh, Daniel's work. Um, so let's dive right in. I'm not sure if this is going to be the first one of these I'm releasing, but basically this is going to be analyzing. We'll start off with the Kansas city chiefs from a fantasy perspective. Um, obviously I focus more on dynasty than redraft, but Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting into August. So this season is really what matters at this point. So we'll talk about some of the various, uh, position battles, some of the expectations. I'll be referencing some of my projections, just a note for the listeners. I don't project any injuries unless there's a Mm pre-existing one. So something like Kadarius Tony. So in general, these numbers will be slightly inflated because injuries do happen. Um, but should give you a good idea of, of what to expect for this upcoming season. So my first question to you is what the hell is going on in the running back room right now? Because Isaiah Pacheco hasn't practiced and doesn't seem like he's going to for another few weeks. We know that McKinnon has his role. All the Chiefs fans, I'm sure, hate Clyde Edwards-Alaire at this point and want Daenerys <laughs> Prince to get that you know backup role behind Pacheco. But what are you seeing at training camp? Right now, Pacheco's chopping at the bit to get back on the field. Every time yeah. you see him out there, he's just he's running. He's trying to get back into the contact. So they're just being you know cautious with him. They don't need to subject him to, to more hits because of the way he plays. They just don't want to even bother with it. He's a very downhill runner. So I think that we can just assume that, at least right now, he's going to be the starter when the season opens up. And regardless of whatever happens from now until the beginning of the season, that we can just kind of pencil him in there. From everything I've heard about McKinnon, they just want to rest him, basically. They want to use him like they did last year, where they didn't have to use him a ton in the first 10 weeks of the season. But 
We know the Clyde Edwards Lair injury last year forced them to use him more than they probably wanted to. And you saw the, you know, the uh, receiving really go up down the stretch and he got more rushing yards than I think most people expected him to. And then, you know, there's Clyde Edwards Lair sitting there who, again, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be the backup to uh, Isaiah Pacheco. I do project he's going to make the roster to the chagrin of Chiefs fans who just want him cut, traded, whatever they can do to get him off the roster because the next new shiny toy, the Eric Prince is there and they, they love what they see from him. Honestly, he's kind of a, a Isaiah Pacheco clone in the sense that he's a very downhill runner. He's big. He's fast. He's going to be the kick returner for the Chiefs as I would ex expect right now. And the way it goes for me is that I think all four of these guys are going to be on the roster come opening yeah. day. So that's something that a lot of fans, probably Chiefs fans specifically, don't want to hear. It could muddy the room as well in terms of uh, how the distribution goes over. But right now, overwhelmingly, Isaiah Pacheco was going to get the bulk of the work, assuming health, uh, when the season opens. Yeah, and, and just to reference my projections, I Pacheco um, projected for about 850 yards and six touchdowns, getting about 50% of the rushing chair uh, of the running back rushing uh, share for the Chiefs. I didn't know what to do with CEH versus Prince. Yeah. Um, I I think Prince has more upside, so I would like to see him win that job. Um, I've heard glowing reports about his hands coming out of camp, but he didn't really have that profile in college. It was much yeah. more similar to Pacheco's profile where in college he only had 17 career receptions. So maybe he can take over some of that backup McKinnon role, but I think that's probably Clyde Edwards-Alaire. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, Pacheco is not a guy who's going to catch the ball. So are you interested in any of these running backs for fantasy? I mean, I like Isaiah for where he's going. I mean, he's, yeah. he's like, what, the dynasty RB31 on – a couple of the places that I'm seeing, like in terms of collectively. So in terms of a guy who's going to get the bulk of the, the, the load in terms of r rushing the ball, he's going to get those, those uh, goal line uh, touches, things like that. I think that his touchdown upside in this offense specifically is extremely high right now. The chiefs really project as a team that maybe aren't going to do what they did when Patrick Mahomes first started more like they did last year, where it's going to be a long more, a lot more long drives and he's, they're going to have more opportunities to punch the ball in at the five and inside the five yard line. So I think that his touchdown upside is much better this year than it was last year. He only scored five touchdowns last season in 17 games. He also only started 11 games. So that's something that is going to be different this year as well. He's probably, he's, getting healthy you know he's probably going to start all 17 games that they play again assuming health so that's going to also i think bump his attempts up and i think he could easily be in in line to get a thousand yards this year so isaiah pacheco is a guy that i'm still interested in and then when it comes to like handcuffs if you want to handcuff a chiefs running back and you don't have pacheco Jarek McKinnon is the guy that you want, most likely, because Clyde is still not somebody that they want to give the full workload to. And he, while he's a good pass catcher, they are more comfortable in the pass blocking department with Jarek McKinnon. So obviously with injury stuff that could happen to any one of those three running backs, I think McKinnon is the, the handcuff to either Clyde or you know, Isaiah Pacheco in that, in that instance. Yeah, and I do think with one injury, obviously you don't hope for, hope for that. But from a fantasy Correct. perspective, I do think that that would open up the room a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I currently only have Pacheco projected for about eight points a game. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact I just don't think he's going to catch the ball very much at all. Yeah. I think he's probably the fourth the fourth best receiver um, in the running back room at this point. So it's just hard to be unless he's going to get you know twelve to fifteen touchdowns, which it's possible, but. 
mm-hmm. given the way that Mahomes, you know, he's got a touchdown rate above 6% the last few years. It's hard to imagine that many uh, running back touchdowns, but we'll see where that goes. Um, you did mention longer drives. I, I was doing some research and found that that's the case as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm projecting the Chiefs to run 66 offensive plays a game, uh, which is, you know, in the 81st percentile. It's higher than last year. Um, I am expecting them to put together some longer drives, but let's move on to the wide receiver room um, where things are equally interesting and kind of up in the air. Um, maybe you can touch on a little bit about what's going on with Kadarius Tony. And then of course, you know, we got Sky Moore, Rashi Rice and Justin Ross, who are all very interesting young players. There are reasons to like each of the three. I don't even know if they're all going to make the team, uh, but w- what are you uh, seeing in that situation? Honestly, this is the the year that everyone expected from Sky Moore last year. Everyone thought he was going to get drafted and then just be the guy coming off. If you guys remember the last show, we talked about this specifically. Yeah. Like Sky Moore, this wasn't going to be last year. This is the year. I do think that he's going to almost essentially take over that Juju Schuster role where he's playing half of his snaps in the slot, half the snaps on the outside, directly correlating to last year where they moved him around all over the offense. They figured out where he's going to be most impactful and really going to be the guy on this offense that chain that moves the chains a lot. They're not going to ask him to be this downfield receiver because that's not his game in the NFL. He's going to be a really good over the middle of the field, maybe catch some back shoulder throws on the outside, but he's very good at adjusting his routes now. And I think we're seeing the connection with Patrick. He's more comfortable. Sky plays faster. He's he's understanding the offense. And when you can play faster, you're going to move faster. You know where you're going to be. You're not second guessing, okay, is this coverage what I'm seeing? Can I adjust my route based on ifs, ands, or buts? That becomes what why Travis Kelsey looks so much faster than he probably is because he knows exactly where he's going every every single time. So the, the movements are faster. That's something we're going to see with Sky. I think most people have completely forgotten about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I know it's not fun to talk about MBS at all <laughs> because he's just – he's MBS. Everyone's like, yeah, he's going to drop like half of his passes and he's going to be this guy that every, has some, some big games now and then, but he's not going to do a whole lot. And I, I think that – some of the targets from Juju Schuster last year are going to be given to to MBS, and I, I I think that right now as it shakes down, the two the top two receivers are going to end up being Sky Moore and MBS in terms of total yards and touchdowns. That's just going to be unless you know obviously without injury. So those two guys are going to be on the field a lot. The Chiefs run 12, 13 personnel quite a bit, and I think that the receivers in those sets are going to be Sky Moore or MBS, and you'll have some shake in and shake out but for the majority of those times those could those two probably will not be leaving the field a ton so you're looking at his you know his adp right now sky more really is an increasingly by kind of player people aren't really expecting a lot because of last year and that's one of those things you have to account for it's hard to project guys who just don't do anything in their rookie seasons coming from Western Michigan. It's hard to really project that he's going to do that. But I really do believe that he can step into that Juju Schuster role and give you better production than Juju did. And he nearly had a thousand yards last year. Yeah. And, and Juju Smith-Schuster was a wide receiver three and he mm-hmm. was able to do, you know, averaging about 11 and yeah. a half points a game. And he only scored three touchdowns. And we already yeah. mentioned Patrick Mahomes touchdown, right? I basically gave Sky Moore more of a jet, uh, probably generous, but a realistically just a realistic projection for what you have when you're playing with Mahomes. And he's getting up closer to 13, 14 points a game. I think at wide receiver 48, it's an incredible buy. Yeah. I think he's pretty locked in as a top, you know, 35 wide receiver that could borderline as a wide receiver too. 
Um, I like that you pointed out the tight end room because it's underrated for people who don't watch the Chiefs every day that yeah. they love 12 and 13 personnel. Noah Gray and Jody Fortson are going to see the field. Um, does that make guys like Kadarius Tony, Rashi Rice, and Justin Ross not super interesting for this year? And we kind of have to wait and see because I, I had trouble in my projections getting them on the mm-hmm. field for more than, you know, 30% of routes, 40% of routes. Yeah, I think Tony is just going to be one of those guys that you saw last year get the ball because he's good. Like, he's just mm-hmm. a good player. They're going to funnel targets to him when he's on the field. Maybe he's not on the field to start the year. And I also yeah. think that you're missing a player in some of your projections. Rich, Richie James. Oh, Richie James. No, yeah. Richie James, I yeah. think, can be the, the first guy off the bench. I really do. He's been an extremely reliable player. He's getting on the same page with Patrick Mahomes on when when you know when plays break down. We saw Demarcus Robinson be a huge fan of – or actually a huge recipient of those when plays break down kind of things. But not only is Richie James kind of like that slot player that you can count on to get first downs like we saw in New York, I think that he's a much quicker and faster player than a lot of people remember because last year the Giants' offense was just so very, very much five to seven yards, and that's kind of where the ball's going. Yeah. I do think that with the space that's going to be created with Travis Kelsey and some, you know, MVS stretching the field, Sky Moore's going to bring some attention. You might lose a, a Richie James over the middle of the field for 15 every now and then. I think he could slot in here for some of the, the yards I see you have Justin Ross projected for, because I don't see Justin Ross getting to that point personally. Yeah. It, yeah. No. And, and, and this is why, yeah, definitely love to have you on because I'm able to get some of this information. I currently have, about 22% of Mahomes' targets going to Tony, mm-hmm. Rice, and Ross. It sounds like you would, you know, think that Richie James is probably going to get up up to almost half or, you know, 40% of that rather than a guy like Ross. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to say that Ross not only – I mean, I want him to make the roster. I really do. Yeah. But the Chiefs currently right now, as of today, for the majority of their training camp, the, the without Kadarius Tony on the field, the three guys that they run out there are Justin Watson – and you know, MVS and Sky Moore. Those are the three guys the majority of the first team snaps. So yeah. that that shows you the experience factor. That's another thing that people didn't really take into consideration from last year is that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they like guys that even if they're going to drop the ball like a Justin Watson does, quite MVS does at times, yeah. they, they prefer the experience and the I know where you're going to be on the field at all times. So I would love to see Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross because they have – the upside that a Justin Watson and an MBS to an extent don't really have, yeah. but it's hard to see them getting those targets and those yards. When I know for a fact that Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes love Richie James and the players like Justin Watson, who just know where they're going to be. And we've already mentioned four running backs and seven wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. Most teams don't keep 11 players at that position yeah. when you're also keeping at least three, if not a fourth tight end, probably three. Yeah. So do you think that there could be a surprise Justin Ross cut? Like it, one of these guys might have to go. So right now I've, the way I currently understand it, there's a lot of hesitation of whether Kadarius Tony is going to start the season. Uh, there's a lot of, maybe he starts it on, on IR, which makes okay. a lot of sense considering yeah. that they don't know they want him to be healthy for the playoffs. They know they don't need him to be a productive offense so there's a very good chance that he starts the season on ir but the way this works is you have to get him on the roster before you can activate him because right now he's on the pup list if he starts on the pup list he misses the entire season they don't want that so 
right now you're I would imagine because the Chiefs still I think they want four tight ends they want four running backs and yeah. six receivers that's a lot especially when you're doing as much different rotation with their formation as they do so I would imagine a guy like Blake Bell doesn't make the roster initially or somebody that yeah. is has been on the team for a long time if they're going to make it then they cut them and then bring them back after they designate uh Tony to IR yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and just to just to note on it, I have Travis Kelsey projected for another absurd season, oh, yeah. you know, 1,300 yards, uh, or actually 1,400 yards, 100-plus catches, 10-plus touchdowns. Uh, Mahomes, I have projected for another 5,000-plus, yeah. 40-plus season. Um, don't really need to talk about those guys because we, we pretty much know who they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> awesome. So that's a lot of great information. Let's move on to the lightning round. Um want to touch on i got four questions in the lightning round here and then i'm going to toss the mic to you to see if you have any questions uh for me so first question is uh best dynasty value on this team and right now it's still sky Moore. i think he's going to end up being the guy mbs is probably not going to be on the team next year there's a good chance justin watson's not there we're talking about a lot of guys with experience that he's could end up being the number one receiver here in in uh in kansas city there's a i, I give Isaiah Pacheco a, a little a little notch here too because again he's like thirty one uh, running back thirty one in dynasty in a lot of places so that, that's just something to look at too. Yeah, and I love that Sky Moore shout wide receiver fifty two in dynasty, but he's being drafted <laughs> higher in redraft, and that is yeah. still too low to where he should be. It makes no, the profile for a second year player. He he should be in the low forties at mm-hmm. worst for dynasty. He's he's actually in my thirties, so I definitely agree there. Uh, who is the worst dynasty value? I don't even know if you could say that anyone has worse. There's like, there's just no. the ball gets thrown around everywhere that everyone's like, we don't want to take anyone that's not Travis Kelsey very high. So there yeah. isn't like a worse dynasty value player. Is there, I, I mean, I honestly, I agree with you. Like I, I would love yeah. to come up with a name, but like everyone to. McKinnon and Clyde, they're so cheap Pacheco. Yeah. So to me, I think Pacheco would be my Pacheco's worst because I you're, don't. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I just don't see the upside to that same degree, but I'm kind of stretching because it is hard mm-hmm. to find a bad dynasty value when everyone's pretty cheap and it's the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, this next question, a player that might be on waivers in a deep dynasty league that you should pick up. So you, you can look for generic prints. Chances are there's a Chiefs fan out there that has scooped them up already because they love their undrafted and seventh on running backs. But Jody Fortson is a guy who is a tight end that most people do not have on their fantasy teams. Definitely a, a deeper draft kind of player. But I think that, you know, he's he's currently dealing with, dealing with an injury in camp, but he's a guy they want to get in those 13 personnel packages and get touchdowns. So if we're talking about, especially for tight end premium leagues, you get a guy out there who, even if he gets just two passes for 15 yards and a touchdown, those are points for your team. And I think Jody Forson can catch a lot of touchdowns. We're talking like four or five, six touchdowns mm-hmm. this season for the Chiefs. Yeah, and they use him in that red zone packages a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Noah Gray is probably the direct backup for Kelsey, unless I'm incorrect. But yeah, I think he's owned in a, yeah. a significant amount of leagues, so it'd be hard to get him there. Um, Fortson, you know, his career touchdown rate is like 15% or something. So he's yeah. really just used as that red zone threat, especially in a best ball. Uh, could definitely be valuable. Uh, what's your prediction on the win-loss record and I guess the the playoff result for the Chiefs? 
Well, as you guys know, I do cover the Chiefs, so I'm pretty optimistic about them. They are the best team in football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have the best roster. I, I think they're going to go 14-3 and three this year. They always end up playing a game like the Colts last year where they shouldn't lose that game at all, but they do. And, you know, there are still some tough games on, on this on this schedule. But at the end of the day, they find ways to win. And I do have them going to the Super Bowl again. I just it, It's tough to say that they're not going to go back and when they got better. The, the last year was a, technically a like a retool season, and they won the Super Bowl. I, I think they get they got much better. Their younger players are more experienced, and uh, their wide receiver room is the most talented that it's been. I think uh, since Patrick Mahomes took over in terms of depth, Tyreek Hill is yes. different. So yeah, right, exactly. I think that that's where we're at. And it's just incredibly underrated how good and young their offensive line is. Like they, yeah. they truly are. I mean, other than maybe Philly, just the most well-built team in the yeah. NFL. Just like the Patriots for the last two decades, I think just picking them every year, you're going to be right more than you're wrong. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, before we move on to the Chargers, who uh, Daniel is going to stick on and cover with me as well, uh, do you have any questions for me about the Chiefs? Probably less because you're definitely more knowledgeable <laughs> than I am. Well, I just want to know, like, who's somebody that you're like under your under 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 the radar for you in Dynasty specifically? Like, are you a big uh, Justin Ross guy? Are you more on the Rasheed Rice trade? I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. So you you obviously already know I'm a Sky guy. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty much out on Tony Ross and Rice. I just think that mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for any of them to get more than four or five hundred yards and really make a huge difference. Um, none of them have a lot of value right now, but. I've been selling Kadarius Tony. He's been outside my top 40 wide receivers for a long time. Um, Rashi Rice is as well. The guy who I'm interested in is Prince because this offense, if he actually yeah. can be kind of the mix of Pacheco and CEH, if he's able to via injury or just level of play, get into that role where McKinnon is just the third down guy and Prince has a little bit more receiving upside gets that eight to 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's very unlikely. It would probably take mm-hmm. an injury, but given the fact he's almost free, Prince to me is now one of those guys. He's not quite in the, you know, Jalen Warren level, Elijah Mitchell of priority backup, but he's kind of right below there for me where I'm definitely interested him in, in him at price. All right, for sure. I, I totally understand. They've really been throwing the ball to him to try to see if he can handle it. Because again, when you have 17 catches in college, it's hard to know for any team that's bringing you in if you can handle it. So far, so good, man. He's doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, they just, other than McKinnon, who's not going to be along forever, and Clyde just isn't working out, I would be surprised mm-hmm. at this point if he gets a second contract. The, the window I is open for Prince because they're not yeah. going to spend a lot of money on a running back. I, I know we didn't touch on Jonathan Taylor, but that's not going to happen i assume we could just say <laughs> i would imagine no uh, the chiefs yeah. don't want to put they're still trying to figure out the chris jones situation right now they're yeah, not going to yeah. bring in uh, jonathan taylor for that for that much either no no they should prioritize chris jones for sure all right cool so uh with that that's the coverage of the chiefs let's uh roll right into the chargers preview who had an interesting off season and the biggest change to me is to the offensive coordinator which impacts yeah. some of my projections so I'll roll through quickly. I got Justin Herbert again, as you know, top 10 quarterback. I think he has a bit of a bounce back season. I got Eckler as my RB two right now in my projections. I have Keenan Allen averaging 18 points a game in my projections as a clear top 12 guy. I know we talked about this on Twitter very briefly earlier, but I'm going to be interested to hear your thoughts on that. And then I got Mike Williams, you know, 11, 12 points a game where he's been. I think Quentin Johnson's kind of a part-time flashy guy. I have him at about 600 total yards. 
And I do like uh, Gerald Everett a bit. I have him at 11 and a half points a game with, you know, 700 yards receiving. So let's start off with the changes to the offense. We got Kellen Moore as the new offensive coordinator. How do you expect that changes the offense? I think that what we're going to see is a lot of the yak stuff in terms of they wanted to use CD lamb as that yak guy, but but they never really found their outside player in someone. So they were kind of forced CD lamb to be, well, you're going to be on the outside, but we're also going to have to use you in some, some makeshift fashion. So they couldn't really figure that out. I think you have clear roles in in LA with your, your downfield guy is Mike Williams, but they could also use Quentin Johnston or Josh Palmer, who was doing that for them last year as well, and played much better than my expectations as him coming out of Tennessee uh, suggested. So I think that in terms of this offense, you have a really good, like strict roles that these guys can all play. And yeah. Kellen Moore can actually use that to his advantage, and they don't have to manufacture everything for their star player which could be Keenan Allen this year. I think it, it very much could be. He stays on the field for 14 to 16 games like he usually does. We're talking yeah. about a huge impact on the offense. And when you have a guy like Quentin Johnston, I'm a little – I'm not entirely sure where his yardage, yardage is going to happen because from what I understand about what's going on in Chargers camp, they're using Mike Williams a lot from the slot too. They're using him, getting him as a big slot, which I absolutely love. If, yeah. if you guys have heard anything that I've talked about for fantasy for players the last maybe two years big slots are really becoming to be a a huge thing because winning those downfield balls those x type of receivers it's not necessarily the way to win today's game especially with the two deep safeties you have a corner on the outside you can throw jump balls to them downfield but at the same time you want to get easy 10 to 15 yards and you can do that with off coverage or just a huge guy like Mike Williams against the slot corner. So I think there's a, a reasonable expectation that he might see a better catch reception this year, but have his yards per catch go down, especially if he's seeing more of those routes coming out of the slot. And Keenan Allen could just win a- anywhere you put him, on the outside, on the inside. He can line up anywhere and just continue to churn out huge amounts of PPR points. I think that Keenan Kellen Moore is in a great situation the best quarterback he's ever played. It's no disrespect to Dak Prescott. I'm a big Dak Prescott guy, but the way you can use Justin Herbert is ridiculous. It's different. And I think the most underrated part about this is that he might use his legs more this year than he ever has before, which again, you you projected him for 59 attempts. I think that we've seen scrambling become the most efficient part of quarterback run game. I think Kellen Moore might help Justin Herbert unlock that next step of his game. Yeah, I would like that a lot. That'd be great to hear because currently, you know, Herbert's Herbert's awesome. I haven't projected for almost 22 yeah. fantasy points a game, but if he wants to be able to compete with Allen's, with Mahomes, with Hurts, and he's coming even with Joe Burrow, and he's coming off the board really right around there from a dynasty perspective, he has to be able to lift up his rushing game. Um, in his career, he's never had more than 63 rushing attempts in a season. He's only averaged about four yards at attempt. But he does have a similar physical profile to Dak Prescott, so he could be used in a similar Mm -hmm. way under Kellen Moore. Um, Interesting what you say about Mike Williams, because my thought would be that I would like Quentin Johnson to get some of that yak game, some of that big slot game. I Mm -hmm. thought that's where he was most effective in college as well. Um, Mike Williams has had an interesting last few seasons. Coming into 2022, his career catch percentage was like 57%. And then last year it was 68% and he was Mm -hmm. still averaging 14 yards a catch, which was only a little bit below his career average. So he was able to 
up his efficiency a little bit. Um, but it's interesting if he's going to be used in that way and command more than, you know, a 20% target rate, that'd be really good for Mike Williams game as well. Um, let, let's dive a little bit more into Quentin Johnston. Um, what are your expectations for him year one? I, I wasn't really sure what to do with him, whether he's going to get that down the field role, whether it's going to be a lot of manufactured touches. Um, I have him projected for a pretty high yards per catch at 15 and only yeah. like a 57, 60% catch rate. Cause I, I'm not sure he's that good at getting open. I'm not sure he's that good at catching the ball. Um, but wh- how, what do you see for him from a uh, year one? To me, this comes down to how they're able to stretch the field. The one thing I think we could all kind of collectively go back to before the draft, they were going to draft someone like a Jalen Hyatt, someone that they could stretch the field that had that speed. They went with Quentin Johnston. So I'm not saying that he's not a fast receiver, but he is not a burner, take the top off kind of receiver. He is a much better acceleration-based, get into open field, make someone miss, get five, six, seven yards off of that. That's what he does best, like you said. That's his game. So – you have Mike Williams, who's like playing in the slot a little bit more. He maybe he doesn't have the 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 outside take the top off type of field, the deep ball. I'm confused. I'm a little confused because we've all talked about how they're going to throw the ball downfield more. Defense is seeing this. If they come out with Mike Williams in the slot, yeah, you can put him downfield, but you could still play single high safety there. You could condense yeah. the field a little bit with your defense and force them to have to still throw the ball deep with some of their speed guys, which, I mean, you have a couple guys in Jalen Guy and a guy who's been flashing. John Hightower been a quick twitch speed guy downfield. They don't necessarily have somebody that can that's going to be on the field all the time that can do that, that's going to consistently do that. So I'm interested to see because I, I still think that Johnston is going to be used mostly in the short to intermediate games where he is forced to play either the Z or the slot where he can he's not asked to get off of press coverage or any kind of close coverage that's not his game. He needs space to work and the space to operate. So maybe you see him with just catching some glance routes, some slants, a little bit of wide receiver screen game, things like that to get because they used Gerald Everett in that in that sense, the yeah. sense last year. I think you might see Quentin Johnston be the one doing that this year, which will help his game and help him get going as well. So I don't know about the yards per catch stuff or the deep down the field. I, I really do see him catching more, having a more of a PPR effect than do like a big play effect personally. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting to see. And um, I do think that Callum Moore is going to be a good fit for that. I mean, we saw him yeah. excel at getting plays open using, you know, bunches and stacks and yeah. running some of those switch releases. I think that's what we're going to see a lot from uh, the Chargers this year. But let's briefly touch on the backup running back situation. There's everyone wants these handcuffs and Austin Eckler yeah. is one of the most valuable players in fantasy. He's the RB2 and underdog ADP right now. And we do not value his backup at all because we don't know who it is. And if he gets hurt, they're probably not going to get the same role as him. But Mm -hmm. do you think it's Spiller or Kelly as the leading backup? Are you interested in them at all? What what, uh, intel do you have there? Yeah, I'm pretty interested in Josh Kelly. They're they're speaking very highly of him at camp there. They think this is the year he's taken that step. And, I mean, he's had some injuries. He's come out of, I believe it was UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. You can correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Um, Having kind of a pass-catching profile to him as well. But he obviously goes to Isaiah Spiller, and everyone's like, well, um, he's also kind of a a pass-catching back who's not necessarily a between-the-tackles guy. He's not fast. And then you have Austin Eckler, who – 
Uh, you could argue he wasn't fast coming out either. Like, there's a lot of interesting dynamics in this this backfield because, like you said, if Eckler goes down, who who's getting the bulk of the work? I do think it's going to be Josh Kelly from everything that I've heard and that I've seen. I think that he's been the best backup to Austin Eckler when he's gotten those touches and those roles. I think he also has some short area upside that Austin Eckler doesn't necessarily have. He's a good running back. He for his size, he's very good between the tackles. He's just that's still not his best area he's better getting to the edge and catching pass it's just that's just what he's good at so i think josh kelly is going to be mixed in with isaiah spiller or excuse me with um uh, austin eckler more often than people are expecting specifically mm-hmm. because eckler's 28 years old or 29 years old now he, he's getting up there and they did not want to they have not wanted to use him as much as they've used in the past three years and here we are saying this again so i i do think joshua kelly has a lot of interest personally for me and he's essentially free yeah, and 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 that's the key point. Like, I, I would honestly be interested in getting both of them. You could probably yeah, use sure. a third round pick and go Why get not? both of them. Um, I I think both will get a chance. I mean, last year Eckler only handled fifty nine percent of the running back rushes. I I have him at about fifty five percent this year. That leaves you know one hundred and fifty or so rushes to Isaiah Spiller or Josh Kelly, which either whichever one can get them and perform is going to establish at least some value, especially mm-hmm. because. From a dynasty perspective, you always want to look ahead. Next offseason, there's going to be rumors that Eckler is going to get cut, that Eckler is going to get traded. And if that happens before the draft, there's going to be a two-month window where Joshua Kelly might be worth the second-round pick. So that's that's how you kind of have to be thinking ahead and trying to get ahead on some of that value increase that uh, that might be happening next season. Um, Does anything else stand out to you about my projections? Just taking a look at these. I'm interested in Gerald Everett. I know you're pretty high on him. I'm high on him too. Like, I think that he's going to be a good tight end. But yeah. you add, I talked about your Quentin Johnson taking some of his targets from last season, and he's going to be pushed down even further in the pecking order. I just, I think that last year really bumped up his effectiveness in the offense with the injuries. And again, we don't project for them. So if we, we assume that everyone stays healthy here, I, I just, I don't know that Everett's going to get a 700 plus yard year again, like he had, if I'm not mistaken, last year, it was close to 700 yards that he had. So I'm, I'm less optimistic about Everett than, than I think you are. Yeah. And, and I, I totally understand that. I think a lot of it's just coming from, I have a higher uh, base number. I think the pie yeah. is just going to expand massively. I mean, right now, like I, I think Justin Herbert's going to throw for 5,000 yards and last season was weirdly inefficient for Justin Herbert, both from a yards per attempt as well as a touchdown rate. So last year he had a 3.6% touchdown rate. Previously it was 5.2 and 5.7 in his first two years. His yards per attempt was 7.4 in his first two years uh, it went down to 6.8. So mm-hmm. if all of these numbers positively regress, I expect the offense to open up a little bit. I really just think that Everett's going to get pretty much the same share of a bigger pie. And that can lead to a, you know, tight end 16, tight end 15 season with 700 or so yards. But I, I do understand that they've added Quentin Johnston, that there might be fewer targets to go around. L- let's touch briefly on Keenan Allen because I think he's probably one of the best values in redraft right now and not a bad value in dynasty either. Um, He's going off the board as wide receiver 19. And I think that is just absurd because given his historical target rates, which are in the high twenties, low thirties, given Justin Herbert might throw for 5,000 yards. I don't know how you keep Keenan Allen from getting 
at least 150, 160 targets, and that's going to lead to 1,200 plus yards at least. His numbers last year when he came on the field were fantastic. Like he was getting targeted all over the place. And regardless of the change of the offensive coordinator, we know that Justin Herbert's go to receiver is Keenan Allen because he gets open quickly. The offensive line, we expect it to be better. I, I expect them to have their all pro left tackle back. But everyone else is still, you know, there's young players. Jamie Salyer is going to now bump into the inside. You still have Zion Johnson, who's a young player. Center's got some issues. At the end of the day, there's one thing about the Chargers is that their offensive line, while they have good players, they find ways to, I guess, I don't even understand, get worse with with good players. So there's always the, uh, the factor that maybe their offensive line isn't as good as we expect it to be. And when it's not as good and you have to get the ball out quickly, there's one guy that's always going to be open. Or there's really two guys. And if it's if it's not Keenan Allen, it's, it's Austin Eckler. Like, so that's what yeah. we saw last year. If the, my first read's not open, it's a, it's Eckler. This year they're going to have more options to that, but Keenan Allen is going to be the biggest uh, bump in all of that. I think that you, you have him for 185 targets here. It might be a little bit high, but again, if, yeah. if they throw as much as they do and he completes as many passes as we kind of all expect them to, there is absolutely no reason to believe that Keenan Allen is not going to finish as a top 12 fantasy receiver this year. And I've seen places where he's the redraft wide receiver 23. Like this is getting out of hand draft Keenan Allen. You're going to be very, very happy that you did. Yeah. And a big reason is that I have the chargers projected for 43 passing plays per game, which is yeah. in the 92nd percentile because all, all indication is that they are going to throw a lot and they're going to play fast. Sure. They don't have the running backs or the offensive line to run the ball that much. So again, just like Justin Herbert, if he's going to throw the ball almost, you know, in the high 600s, Keenan Allen is going to get a lot of those targets. I agree. You know, 185 might be high, especially because he's going to miss a quarter here or a game there. Yeah, but well. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, I think it's going to be a big season for Keenan. So Let's move on to the lightning round. Same question as with the Chiefs. Uh, quick answers here. Who is the best dynasty value on the Chargers? I think it's Quentin Johnston. I've seen him as deep. I've seen him deeper than wide receiver 28 in dynasty. But realistically speaking, we've just talked about Keenan Allen. He is getting up there, all right? He's in his 30s now. If the injury bug from last year it's funny how we can talk about these players in one year and not the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's just fun how you do that. If the injury bug starts to continue with him, much like it hasn't, he gets, you know, kind of labeled as an injury bug guy. But since 2016, you have 16 games, 16 games, 14 games, 16 games, 16 games. He was always on the field. So yeah. if he ends up going out the door, Mike Williams ends up going out the door because his contract is coming to an end, I believe, after this year. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um Quentin Johnson, hey, he's your wide receiver one attached to Justin Herbert with a wide receiver 20, 28 value in Dynasty, maybe even deeper. I'm all in on that. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, it's it's almost automatic that Keenan Allen is going to be either cut or restructured after this season. Yeah. Um, he has a $36 million cap hit, and if they cut him, it's Ooh. only $11 million. So at that okay. point, they're going to cut him. Same situation for Mike Williams. He's got a $32 million cap hit, and if they cut him or restructure, it's only $12 million. So th- okay. they have some work to do next offseason. Quentin Johnston is, even if he only puts up 600 yards, which is what I'm projecting for him this season, I think he's going to boost up at least to, you know, another few spots in dynasty ADP. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that call for sure. Um, Who is the worst dynasty value on this team? 
it's got to be Austin Eckler. Like he's still a top 12 dynasty running back. We may never see those numbers from him again. We just may, we may never see it. And that's the thing about running back. We've had this offseason now where the running backs are wanting their money, and Austin Eckler is one of them. They are very deserving of that. But teams understand when you're getting close to 30, unless you're Derrick Henry, you're probably not going to be as impactful, as explosive, and as efficient as you once were as a younger back. So when we're talking dynasty here, and even guys like Javante Williams, even Nick Chubb, uh, J.K. Dobbins, which is interesting. We'll have to have a talk about that some other time. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got these younger – you have some un- younger guys here that are underneath Austin Eckler that i just rather have because he's 28, going to be 29, approaching 30. I just – I hate to say it, but he's he's the worst dynasty value on the Chargers for me. I agree, and his touchdown rate the last two years is over six point is over six percent, which is just insane. The league average for running backs is three percent, so you can't expect him to be keeping this up, especially at his size, at going on age, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, mm-hmm. Like you, I think the downgrading to a guy like Kenneth Walker, Javante Williams, Tony Pollard, getting something on top yeah. or upgrade. I mean, right now in dynasty startups, Jameer Gibbs is your three hundred three. And Austin Eckler is your 402. Jonathan Taylor is slipping to the third round. If you don't have to pay a whole lot to move up from Eckler to one of those guys, or Brees Hall, if he continues to fall with his injury issues, that's definitely a move I'd recommend making as well. So we're we're spot on there too. Um, Are there any deep players that might be on waivers that uh, you should be looking to pick up for the Chargers? Yeah, I mentioned his name a little bit earlier. He could take over the Jalen Guyton role as that deep threat, and he's got more quick twitch than anybody on their team. Quentin Johnson's a good a good player after the catch, but he's not like this quick twitch guy you think they can catch it. Easily make someone like quickly miss. When you think of quick twitch, you don't necessarily think of Quentin Johnson, but John Hightower is a guy that they have been using a lot, has been making some explosive plays in camp. He's getting a lot of those short to, you know, to yards after catch touches. He's stretching the field for them. They're getting a development with uh, Justin Herbert right now. He's playing on some of the first teams every now and then. So he's definitely somebody to be more of a deep league or a stash in your regular dynasty leagues. But again, we talked about how both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen might not be there. If Hightower keeps going, he could end up being like a wide receiver, the, the third wide receiver, that deep threat for this team going forward. And I don't think it's too, you can't, you don't have to squint too much to see that as a, res, a reasonable possibility. Yep, I agree there. Uh, Donald Parham's another guy I'm looking at. He's probably not quite available for most leagues. Yeah. Uh, the one deeper guy that I'm looking at is I read some reports, I'm not sure how legitimate they are that uh, Dugan is currently outperforming Easton Stick for the backup QB job, and he could be winning that job. So, again, you have a guy who put up huge numbers at TCU. Obviously, he's not the prototypical NFL quarterback, but if Justin Herbert goes down, you have him with elite weapons, with an elite offensive coordinator. You could find yourself falling backwards into, you know, a low-end, mid-end QB2 if Justin Herbert goes down. Again, we don't hope for injuries, but – with your 31st and 32nd roster spot, uh, he's the type of guy that I would like to pick up, and he's available literally everywhere, which won't be the case if he gets announced as the backup. So just another guy to look at. Um, Any questions for me for, uh, for the Chargers? Um, I'm, we, we kind of already talked about the one question I have with Gerald Everett. I think we see everything pretty, pretty much spot on, except, you know, Isaiah Spiller. I like that you have both him and Kelly getting a good chunk for, you know, splitting that 500. I think we're, we're just a little bit split on who's going to get it. 
I love yeah. that you have Spiller going there because I love Spiller coming out. So yeah. I got I, my my heart's with you on that regard. I don't know if my head's quite there yet, but my heart is definitely with no, you. No, totally makes sense. <laughs> and and the way that I look at this backfield was basically there is you know 150 150 rush attempts plus another mm-hmm. what is it 30 yeah. or so targets to go around. I don't know who's going to get them, but again, that's why I said at that price, might as well go get love both it. of yeah. them. Um, any other notes before uh, we sign off? I love it, man. This is this this team's going to be fun. They are going to be a, a fantasy gold mine this oh, year. Oh, record! That, I forgot to ask. Predicted record. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, I think they're going to go twelve and five. I, I think that yeah. you know two two games behind the Chiefs is reasonable for this team because you have to be able to beat the beast to be able to continue to up that. But twelve and five is a great record for them. I think they're going to flip the script this year. They're going to win the the wild card game instead of yep. losing it last year. Uh, and then it depends on who they play in the divisional round. But I do at least have them winning one playoff game this year instead of losing that one from last year yeah and 12 and 5 would be fun because it probably means and then if they win the first week that probably means they're playing kansas city in arrowhead at the divisional round which i'm sure would be a lot of fun um thanks so much again for coming on it was awesome to have you back here gave us a lot of good intel on uh both the chiefs and the chargers and uh definitely everyone go check out uh all of daniel's work and follow him on twitter uh at in harm's way 19 if you do not yet um, to all of my listeners, I will be posting all of these projections um, for my Patreon. I will be sparingly posting some of this information publicly on Twitter or just talking about it uh, via the podcast, but I'm trying to limit uh, the entirety just to my patrons just to give all you guys some value. So feel free to check that out. That'll be at the $6 a month level if you're interested. Um, and we'll be getting to the rest of the NFC West shortly as well. I have another exciting guest coming on for the other two teams. So thanks so much for checking out the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I'll be back with you either in a few days or in about 10 seconds with uh, the other two teams. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>